Good to see everybody today. We come in today off of a long list of stories of God's faithfulness. In the weeks leading up to today, we had just person after person, everyday people like you and I just sitting all out, scattered throughout this room, coming forward to say, hey, this is what God has done for me, and this is what God has done for me, and this is what God has done for me, and it's just brought us all the way to here. So we conclude that today. We continue that and conclude that today with a story from the Word. And this one is a story of how God has been faithful to all of us, whether you know it or not, every single person in this room. It's a story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It comes from, I'll spend most of my time in John chapter 20 today, which um, in this broad history that God has given us of his action and interaction with the world that he created, it's just this weekend right here. It's this tiny little piece. Now, it's just a couple of days that we're going to go through in this story. But it's a huge couple of days because all this part right here, I'm actually turning it around so you can see. This would be as if you were reading it, not even me. You're welcome for that. It was all building up to this tiny few days right here. Now, it started out, like going into it from right here, it started out a very bad weekend for those who believe because Jesus made you believe that God was good again. And Jesus made you believe, if you're here going into it, he made you believe that, that God cared again. So much of, of this back here, God was silent. Like he, I mean, he was acting, but it, it seemed like he had just gone away. He was gone. He wasn't working. But when Christ hits the scene, all of a sudden, lives are changing. Things are different. And the people here, they're seeing... Jesus, who comes from God, they're seeing him change people's lives for the better. Like the stuff they're going through gets reworked and it's just better now. And God is getting the credit for it. And they're just convinced that, that if he hasn't done it for them already, he's going to and things are going to get better. But then Friday comes and he dies. Friday gets himself killed right here. And the charge that he was killed for, he was charged with blasphemy. And blasphemy is an impious utterance against God. Does anybody know what his utterance against God was? He said he was God. And that was a problem. See, he was a Jewish carpenter too. And like if you were a Jew, you couldn't just say that you were God. You couldn't do that sort of thing. So the religious leaders, the church leaders of the day, the the godly men, if you will, those men were also the Supreme Court. Kind of funny how that works. So they tried him and convicted him of that crime. It took a matter of hours. Then they asked the Romans to kill him because they were good at it, and the Romans said, sure. So on Thursday, like right here, you're having dinner with Jesus. You have high expectation that things are going to be really good, and then Friday's dead. He's in a tomb. Saturday, there's hardly anything written about Saturday. It's real quiet, except for the people that are responsible for killing him. They sent extra guards to the tomb because they thought maybe something might happen. They just weren't sure. So they sent extra guards. Then Sunday, like right here, Sunday, this day, if you're waking up, you're waking up and you're just realizing again, oh yeah, he's dead. Like all that, oh yeah, this is our reality. You know how sometimes it stacks on your shoulders in the morning before you ever get out of bed? You're like, okay, what's going on today? Oh yeah. Like that is my reality. I do that. Like sometimes it hits me before I even get my feet on the floor. Like, ah. That's it. So it's down. They're, it's not good. The first one up, her name is Mary. She gets up. She goes to the tomb because why not? 
It's, it's still dark when she goes. Her devotion is easy to understand because back here for Mary, it says that her life, she was the possession of hell. She, everything that hell had to offer was, was possessing her to the seventh degree. And then Jesus came along when they met, and he just decided that she wasn't going to be hell's possession anymore, that she was going to be his possession. So he just changed all that, and he drove all the hell right out of her. Because he can do that. And, her, and she was hooked. She was, her devotion was instant and automatic. So, of course, she's the first one up. And she goes out, but the tomb is empty. She panics, and she runs back and finds a guy named Peter. Now, Peter's kind of the leader of the Jesus people at the time, which is a little bit odd because Peter doesn't remind you a lot of Jesus, or at least your thought of him, because he got in trouble a lot. He was sort of a loud mouth. He spoke before he thought. He was just, he had some crazy in him. And it's, but it's good, it's good that we have Peter like that because it just shows that even if you got a little crazy in you, God has a place for you. And it's, it's good for all of you. Who's got a little crazy? Yeah. And you got a lid on it so tight right now, like, you're all looking good. But I got like 40 minutes, and boom, here comes the crazy. So it's okay. God has a place for you. Peter goes. He's outrun by a guy named John, but John's too scared to go in. So Peter's second, but he goes in, and he sees that the tomb is empty. But they don't despair. So this is what it says. They believed. They believe. So like all that high expectation that they had on Thursday that it's going to be great, all of a sudden on Sunday it's back. Like they don't, so they went home marveling at what had happened. They just thought, all right, it's back on. Mary doesn't go back. They go back to town. Mary stays. She sees a gardener taking care of the graveyard, and she's like, sir, if you know where they took him, please show me where it's at. Now this is the first time Jesus does it. The gardener is him. He's like, hey, Mary, it's me. Come back. She grabs a hold of him. He's like, not yet. Not yet. You go with Pete. I got to go to the other side of town. And I will see you later. So jump. This is all Easter Sunday. Jump to the other side of the city. There's a road that goes out to the northwest. Two guys are on it. They're heading away from town and they're dejected because they thought it was going to be big and then Jesus is dead. Jesus appears to them as a traveler on the road. They don't know it's him and he doesn't let them see it yet. And he's like, why the long face, guys? What's up? And they're like, You've been living under a rock. Don't you know what happened? The guy we thought was the son of God is dead. Our friends are saying he might be alive. We don't know. We just think it's over. And he starts a conversation with them about, this is what it says, about prophecies in the Old Testament about the resurrection of this Christ. Like, hey, hey guys, maybe he's not dead. And we don't know what he said, but he could have said this. Like, there's all kinds of things he could have talked about. Like, hey, he, maybe he's alive, guys, but cheer up. Maybe, maybe the guy that you saw go to the grave, maybe he's who Isaiah was talking about. This is what Isaiah said. He was cut off from the land of the living, but when his soul made an offering for sin, he shall prolong his days. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe they're right. They're like, nah, he's dead. Or maybe he's the guy that David was talking about. And these guys would have known the Old Testament prophecies, just like all of you do. You know these, don't you? I can tell. You're like, oh yeah, Psalm 16, David, I know this. He will not let his holy one see decay, but after his soul makes an offering for sin, thou wilt show him the path of life. Maybe he's been shown the path of life. You, you don't know? Nah, he's dead. Or maybe he's Hosea or Psalm 2 or 22 or 100 or Job 14 or Job. Do you know how many prophecies like his 
His soul's going to make an offering for sin, and then God's going to prolong his days. And it says that these guys, when they were listening to him talk, they really thought it was him. It says their hearts were burning, like this might be him. And then he shows them, just like he did with Mary. He's like, it's me. They're walking the whole way. They're walking away from the city. So when they finally see it, and he shows them that he disappears. So they run all the way back to the city that day. So it's all Easter still. You know how when you have some really good news, like really good news, and you can't help but tell somebody, like, you just got to go now. They go all the way back, and they find the 11. So Peter and John and the rest of them there, they find him. This is Luke 24, find him in an upper room. They're hanging out, and this is what happens. They say, hey, he's risen. This is what happened. They tell their story as they were all there talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And we had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, I don't, it's a little odd that they disbelieved for joy and were marveling. So there's this combination of disbelief, but they're really excited. They just don't know what to do. They're kind of stuck right there for joy and marveling. But disbelief, he said to them, do you have anything to eat? I am hungry. And they gave him a piece of fish and he took it. He just wanted them to see that he was legit, that he was real. But one guy wasn't there. Who wasn't there? Tom. So the same thing happens. Like as soon as As soon as Jesus makes himself known to others, they can't help it. They go run and tell the next guy, and it just keeps going. So they run to Thomas like he's alive. And Thomas famously or infamously says, unless, I got two things, unless I see, unless I see it right there, the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, most commentators on Thomas, they just beat him up. And it's, it's all negative. Like, how could you do that? I actually like what, what one guy said. Um, it's, it's Matthew Henry, one of the guys I read. He comments on what Scripture has said. And he said this. Listen to this phrase. One coward makes many. You get a group of guys or gals, or whatever. You get a group of people, and one person in there saying, we can't, it's not going to go, right? And they shrink back. What happens to the rest of the group? Everyone's like, yeah, you're right, we can. This is not going to work. So one coward can make many. And he's like, this guy is, he's polluting their hearts. A lot of commentary like that. But I kind of like that it's there, and here's why. I like that it's there because it's here for all time to help us know this, that God is willing to meet you in your unbelief no matter where you are. So you might have conditions too. I don't know what his his conditions were, hands and feet inside. I have to see it. And yours might be different. Like, I don't really know about this. If he did this and this and this. But we have this written down for all time that name it. And and if you name it and if you're stuck in some unbelief, you're like, I don't really know. He's not going to cut you off. And as he could have with Thomas, Jesus could have said to Thomas, who do you think you are? I mean, he wasn't there, but he, but he saw, he knew, he knew what he said. Who do you think you are? I, I called you when you were nobody, and now all of a sudden you're somebody? You gotta, but he doesn't. He graciously concedes, fine, those are your conditions for belief. I'll go there. That's huge for us. 
I'll go there. And that's where we get John 20 right here later that week. So now we just jumped out of Easter Sunday, but later. It says his disciples were inside. This is John 20. And Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Says that a lot. And then he said to Thomas, essentially, says to Thomas, Hey, I heard what you said. So here you go. I heard what you said. So put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, here it is, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Which potentially would be us. It's actually my title today. Blessed are those who believe. Now, this goes on for another 40 days, tops. Jesus appearing, teaching, and proving, sometimes to as many as 500, and then he ascends, makes his ascension. But not to do nothing, not like, well, so long, <laughs> did all the heart, not to do nothing. To do what then? To ascend to do what? To go to heaven to do what? You can find this in multiple places. It says to go to sit at the right hand of God until all things will be put under his feet. In other words, to go up and things are going to be made subject to him. So he's going to reign and rule over the affairs of man at the right hand of God. Intercede for us. So all this is going on down here. He's there. He's going between God and us as a mediator, as a peacemaker. I don't know about you, but I find it incredibly heartwarming to know that right now I have someone peacemaking between God and I. Actively. And he's going to do that, rule and reign over the affairs of man, directing from heaven on our behalf until he decides to come back. Jesus is alive. That's what it says. Now, here's the question today. Do you believe? And what I love about it is I can push this as hard as I want because it's not my question. I, it's, it's, I didn't have to look at this and go, okay, what should I say? It actually is all through. The one thing God wants to know from all of us today is there it is. Do you believe? Do you know how we can know? That's his question to every heart in this room today. Do you believe? Because that's what he was pushing for the entire Easter Sunday. Every, on the first Easter Sunday, the first one, the only thing he was looking for in every single person that he chose to engage was what? Do you believe? Mary, John, Peter, the two guys. The two guys, he actually scolds him. He says, why are you so slow to believe? Come on. To the 11. You know what he says to the 11? Do not disbelieve. Why does doubt rise in your heart? Over and over, he's pushing for one thing. What is it? Believe. And then to Thomas, believe, believe, believe. So that's what he wants. Like, I, I really do feel like I just want to get out of the way. Like, that is what he wants. You, you can like or dislike me all you want. It doesn't matter. There it is. He wants to know, do you believe? And he's asking you. I'm, I'm out of it. And you have to settle that with him. Like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You, I, you do. Do you believe? Now, here's believe so that we're clear. And we get it from Thomas, which is another reason I want, because it helps us understand what 
he's looking for. When Thomas finally gets it, he says, my Lord and my God. So two things, the belief that Jesus counts as a belief, the belief that he's looking for from all of us includes two things. It's one says, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you were God in the flesh, but now you are up above all things. But more than that, too, you were over all things, but you personally are over me. You and who you are and what you said and what you do, that directs me. That's belief. There's all kinds of generic belief about God that, yeah, sure, he's out there. There's generic belief about God in here in this room. Yeah, I know that he was God in the flesh. He's out there. He's kind of taking care of things. But belief that he's looking for is like, no, you are, you are God over me. You determine what I do. That I am personally subject to you. And here's the thing about belief. You don't have to like the Lord part. You just have to know that it's true. I mean, some of it I don't like. I ordered some food this past week, um, and I ordered that food with my wife. Um, It was sushi. I don't know if you care, but whatever. And so they were both sitting there, and she said, there's this sauce you put on it. She's like, put sauce on it. Put sauce on all of them. Well, I didn't want it. I like it. And the guy with the sauce looked at me, and he said, In this place, I'm subject to what she says, and so are you. While he puts it all over my stuff. (laughs) Subject to, you don't have to like it. There's a lot I don't like. You don't have to like it. You just know that it is. You tracking with me? That's belief. Like, personally, over you. You don't want sauce, sometimes you're going to get it. But that's belief. That's belief, all right? Can you say that? Isn't that crazy? Today, all these years later, we're saying, can you say that about Jesus? My Lord and my God. And what would it take to help you to be able to say that? The last several weeks, whether you knew it or not, we're, tr- we're trying to help you get to that place. The last several weeks, what we had was we had story after story of people coming up. And essentially what they're doing when they're saying, hey, this is how God has been faithful to me. What they're saying is, listen, he's alive. He really is. He's acting from heaven on my behalf. And not only is he alive, he's good. And this is what he's done. What they were saying all those weeks is, I cannot tell you my story without talking about him. And if I have to talk about him, then he's not dead. And you put all those together and you see him and you realize, no, he is. And it's, it's to help your belief. We heard from Zach. I mean, Zach, listen, Jesus is alive and he's very busy saving Zach from himself. And that's what Zach will tell you. It's what he did say. I mean, he wanted no part of it, but he had this idea like, you know, I think it would be good if, you know, I read the kids some stories. The only thing he had was some Bible stories. So he started reading. He thought it was for them, but it turns out it was for him. Like, God started to draw him in. Like, can you believe this stuff? And then he thought it would be a good idea to take him to church. So, for them, right? For them, for the kids. But it found out, like, in the midst of it, it was a baptism service, and he found out in the midst of it, no, it's not just for them, it's for you. Like, God was very, very clear to him 
right here in this room, like engaged Zach in this room and said, I'm alive. <laughs> you need to make your life subject to mine. Believe. And he did. And he's just saying, he's like, it's real. So much so, he would tell you that I have an old life now. That's how you really know that something happened. When you can start to see that you have an old life that you don't like and now there's something new. I'm not saying you live in new all the time. Certainly you go back to it, but at least you can see a difference. If there's nothing new, then all you have is what you have and it's not old. It's just what it is. But he can start to see a difference now. Something's happening. God is busy. He's alive. He's Listen, he, he's directing from heaven. This is Loretta. Her, what she's saying is, hey, it wasn't good. They, I had cancer. This is bad. I mean, it was, they sent me home. There's nothing they could do. Kids came off the mission field to say goodbye. I mean, shot a legacy video. This is it. And then God just decided to rearrange it, to act and rule from heaven and rearrange the events so much so that today, today, she's like, it's just gone. I mean, he's busy. I mean, he's, they, and here's what they would say. They cannot tell their story without telling you about him because he's not dead. That's their story of Spencer and Amanda. You know, I those stories in the Old Testament where like two people against all odds, they just, the, the chances of them having a baby are like slim and none. Are you familiar with that? And then God comes in and he just does something amazing. Like all of a sudden they have this kid, right? Well, it turns out he still does that. And I'm not saying Spencer's Abraham at all. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying he still does that kind of thing. There was no shot. And then they just look at him now. And, the, and here's what they're going to say about that picture. The only thing they're going to say is like, God is good. He's acting from heaven. He's not dead. He's alive. I can't tell my story without telling you about him. Listen, he's, he's, not, he's very busy. He's very busy making Steve, this guy, holy. And that's a big job. <laughs> like, listen, it is. And he said it. He said it. I, I'm repeating what he said. And here's how I know it's a big job. Because he has an equally big job Standing right here, he is busy acting from heaven, making me holy. He is. This is, this is how he's doing it. This is what that the risen Christ is directing. He actually says this. I'll read the passage. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a variety of passages. It comes from John mostly. This is 14. But it says, It's good that I go away. This is Christ before he, before he goes up. It's good that I go away because what I'm going to do, I'm going to direct the sending. Of, the Father's going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. And when I do, when I, do I will send the Holy Spirit to, con, this is what he's going to do, convict of sin, guide to all truth, reveal God, enable, to you to, enable you to, to believe. Do you know if you've believed that God had a hand in that? He's like making it possible for you to believe. Christ is directing that. It's good that I go away. I'll send the Spirit. He's going to do these things to cause you to listen to, listen to a guy get up here and speak about what's written in this book, and all of a sudden it resonates with your heart. Who's in that? God is in that, and he's directing. He says that he's going to direct it, cause you to make you, and not just cause you to be able to believe, actually cause you to live out what he said. I will make you new on the inside. I'll give you a new spirit of who you are. You'll be able to 
You'll be able to follow my ways because I'm going to enable you to do it. You'll be able to understand Scripture. I'm going to do this. And Christ is directing all of that. Um, I like what he says in Philippians. He will act in you according to my purpose and be confident in this, that if I have started a good work in you, I will bring it to completion. Good news, Steve. He's going to finish it. Good news, me. He's going to finish it. And he's, God is direct. Listen, he's not dead. And that's what these folks, story after story, and what I love about them now, this is what I love about the stories now. I didn't even see this when we started. I just wanted, I wanted you to see that God is alive and that he's faithful. But now, coming through all those stories, you just see that the same thing is happening. Like when God makes himself known to someone, they can't help but tell you about it. What we see in those people is the same thing we just read. It's like Mary to Peter to John to the two, right? One gets it and they keep going to the next. The same. It didn't stop here. It just keeps going. Here's, here's kind of a summary of that. I want you to hear it in their own words. Just little bits and pieces of what they have to say. And really, at the end of the day, what they want everyone in here to know, because they just can't help themselves, is that Jesus is alive. Watch this. We didn't know at the time, but... Um, the IVF that we did actually successfully worked. Um, we still didn't know how many were there, but um, we got the news that we were pregnant, and you know that was a huge step in itself. Uh, God was faithful because they told us right off the bat that first time around is kind of it, it's not as a guarantee, or you know it's not as success, successful as time two or three. But for some reason, at this moment. It birthed within me a passion. And I believe it was the direct movement of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because it wasn't for lack of changing before in my life, but this time something was different. I felt like the person that was trapped inside of me is somehow now reachable. And when God grabbed a hold of my heart, he birthed within me a doer. And now I just want to be like him. I'm not always perfect at it, but I want to be like him. Yeah, I, I could have never imagined in, in, a, in a million years that, that I would be, you know, reaching out to other men in the way that I have, in the way that, you know, that, I mean, God has really put it on my heart to, to, to reach out to others and to, you know, to try to further His kingdom. I would have never, even in that moment, even in that first moment where, where I realized that I needed Christ, uh, there's no way I could have, that I could have imagined where God would lead me in that moment. And after the first 28 days, my cancer dropped from 53% cancer blast to 12%. And then I went on another 28 days, and just this Tuesday I got a call, just to, yesterday, from my doctor saying that I went from 12% uh, to zero, and that I am now in remission. So that's just a praise the Lord all the way around. So just that a lot of answer to prayer, and we're just so thankful for that. They're not crazy. They're not. They just believe. And when you do, you just, you just keep telling people. And it's helpful. It's helpful whether you're trying to believe the first time or to believe all over again. I find that incredibly helpful because doubt always rises up. In all, it doesn't, like you go through seasons of this thing and doubt rises up. So you believe initially it's good and then you don't see him do much and you wonder, does he care? And then you see him, like he answers it in other people. And then the, the proof is like right there in front of you. So it's good to believe for the first time. 
Listen, God uses these stories to help you. Just like one coward makes many. Remember we said that? One coward makes one believer makes many too. You get one believer in a pack and they just keep saying, no man, it's real. Like it's not, it's not nonsense. And then it, God uses it. It's just, part of, it's just part of his plan. I love that stuff. And listen, they're all over. Look, it's just story after story after story. And everyone is just, I don't know where you are on this, but everyone is saying to you, listen, it's not nonsense. It's real. This is what he's done for me. And, and actually, there's going to be a bunch more before the end of the day. When, when we're done here, we wrap this all thing up. The, the ender is, like, he, what has he done? So there's a, there's a, this is in all of your bulls. And some of you have been thinking about this all week. But it's essentially, this card is like, how, how I know he's alive. This is what he's done for me. And then you just scratch some stuff on it and you come and stick. But look, every single one of them is saying, he's, this is not nonsense. And it all helps you to see and understand that he's, he's real and he's alive. And it's not all just, you know, it's not just stuck in a book and these silly Christians talk about all this goofy nonsense. It's like really real. And it's for you so that you could believe maybe for the first time, but then all over again, fires you up. I get fired up all over again when I see it. So, I mean, that will be your chance today. Like if you do, like, who knows for sure? Like, yeah, he's real, and this is what he's done, and it's legit, and you could come up. You'll, not now, but do that. But some of you, it's like, nah, not so much, or I don't know, or even I promise you in this room, it's like, dude, I don't care. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, for now. But I, I do want to talk just briefly about those who wouldn't have much to say or you don't really care because for your story, and how he's affected it. He's been incredibly faithful to you, and you may not even know it, and you may not even care, but it doesn't even matter to him. He did it anyway, and you have to know. So I want you to write just a few things on here, and you can write them in your bulletin too, the outline's in there, but I would really like you to, to write them on here, because you're going to throw your bulletin away, because I watch it every week. There's good stuff in there, and you pitch it every week. And I'm like, it's so good. That was so good. And you just, you held it in your hands for 32 minutes, and then you threw it away. But I'm over it. But look what I did for you. Look what I did. Ha ha, backup plan. So you, you can pitch the rest. But I want you to scratch some things on here and sort it out. Because there's so many of you in here that yeah, you don't, don't care. So write these. This is how God has been faithful to you. And you need this. So the first thing, just write Friday on there. Because the Friday that we talked about, that first weekend as we went in, that really bad day, that ultimately was for you. Friday... Here's, blessed are those who believe. There's huge blessings on Friday, and you need this one. Here's the deal. And I'll, this is what happened on Friday. Friday he died, and somehow that death was for you. I'll explain it this way. I'll use Loretta. Loretta, however many months ago it was, they scanned her, and they could see something's not right. They just knew something wasn't right. She has a definable, detectable, deadly disease left alone that would kill her, and hers was called cancer. So that, it's like a possession. It's real. It, there's no doubt about it, and she has that. We have the same diagnosis. It's a little bit different. So in that position, we have the same thing. Now, ours is, like, if they could scan us somehow, some way, I don't, they can't, but, like, every, every tiny little baby, as cute as they are, like, you could scan it. Like, we have that, oh, something's not right. Something's not right. It's easier to tell in some, isn't it? Like, something's not right. 
but something's not. It's all there. It's definable. It's detectable. And left alone, left alone, it'll kill you. But ours is not cancer. Ours is called sin nature. It's the same diagnosis, but you carry it. And it just means this. Every single one of us comes in with this. I will go my own way. It's a default position. Like, this is what I will do. And you come up in that, and every, this world is so saturated with rules, isn't it? Like, from the tiniest little thing, you start getting rules, and they never goes away. You got house rules, and you got school rules, and you got rules and religious rules, and just like everyone is putting out this thing, like, don't go here and don't do this. And it starts, and here's the default in all of us. It doesn't matter how many lines they put out there for us, and it doesn't even matter who puts them out there for us. Our propensity is going to be to cross whatever line you give us. That's our natural default. And when people are watching, we may come just up to it, but as soon as they're not watching, what will we do? You know it's true. It's in you. It's in all of us. It's like it's, we will go. No one will tell us what to, we will decide what line we cross. And listen, this goes all the way through. It happened with you, every single one of you this week. You knew what you ought to do and what you ought not to do. And every one of you decided to go over for a while because you're your own person. And, and you are the Lord of your life. And you'll go over for a while and no one else will know. And you'll decide how long you'll stay there and when you'll come back. It's alive in every single one of us from the, from the beginning. I've told you countless stories from this platform about how this truth is revealed in my children, our children. Right? It just, it's just there. As I thought about that, it was a little bit... Um, nostalgic, actually, because from the time, from the first time I started on this platform till now, my kids have grown up. They've literally grown up while I've been here. Crazy. So I'll just reach back and grab an old one, you know, because when they were little. I mean, it's not that I don't have new ones, that they're big, my goodness. But remember the, remember the one, the, the sin nature one, and they were little. Like, they were pretty little. Emerson was in charge. Brandy and I were just going to step out for just a moment. And Em was going to watch them. And, and they're all at the door like, we love you guys. You guys are great parents. It's just awesome. And, right? Just laying it on. And like, you do, you know, you, you know the deal. You know, this is what we do. Yeah, we know. We love you. You're so awesome. And as soon as we shut the door right? Dance party. And they're just going crazy. And we pull out of the drive. We pull back through. And the one, the little one, is dancing on the dining room table. And we weren't gone 39 seconds. (laughs) And here's the crazy part about that. I could have said, have a dance party. But the only thing you can't do, the only place you can't dance in the whole house is on the dining room table. And where would they have danced? Why? Sin nature. You tell, you got it, right? Okay, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. It will separate you from God. Here's how you know you still have it. I put up words like, 
my Lord and my God, and you're like, my Lord and my God, oh, just get this over with. Like you hate it. This just, there's something about it. Like we don't, I'm not going to say my Lord. You know why you won't say my Lord? Because you're too proud and you're too, like you will decide what you will do. And what that is, is that's rebellion towards the God who made you. The God who made you put you here. And he said, no, this is what you will do. All of life is about me, and you will believe in me and live for me. It'll go this way. And the default in us is, no, I won't. And that will kill you. It will separate you from God, and you have to know it. Now, someone's got to take that away. What's going to happen? How are you going to get rid of that? On Friday, Jesus took it. Think about this, the diagnosis for alert. She's got this definable, detectable disease. Left undone is going to kill her. And someone comes up and says, I will not let that kill you, but I will take it and I will let it kill me so it doesn't kill you. I'm not saying that happened, but what if, right? That piece right there. That's what happened. But you got to know it's going to kill you. But once you do, Christ said, listen to the description of the cross. Here's the description. He was counted among the transgressors. Do you know what that means? He was counted as one who had sin nature. And he had no, he was, he's the only one who didn't. He was counted as one who had sin nature. Now, if he did and he didn't have any, then whose did he have? We had ours. He had to have somebody's. And the wages of sin is death. There was death on the cross, was there not? And anytime there's death, you can know for sure that there is sin because the curse of sin is death. So he died. So he had to have sin on him somehow. And it wasn't his, it was ours. He was counted among the transgressors. Listen to this. He bore our sin in his body on the tree. He took it. God made him, come on, my favorite verse. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become. By his stripes we are healed. You've heard all that? He took it. The blessing of Friday is forgiveness. It's just done. He just moved away. And you can live that way. You, you can live forgiven. Here's the verse. We have the verse. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. The blessing of Friday, just write it on there. Friday's forgiveness, and you and I need it because how did it go this past week? What lines did you cross that you said you would never cross, and then you found yourself there? And nobody else knows about it, but you do. And the body of work that you're putting together that only God can see is not good, and you know it's not good. And what are you going to do about that? How... And every single day, every single morning, you wake up, what you can be met with, blessed are those who believe, what you, could be mess, what, what you can be met with is massive forgiveness, grace greater than all your sin. And you need it because you're not going to find it anywhere else. Nowhere else will you find acceptance, inness, love, approval. You'll never find, and you need it, You'll never find it anywhere else from any person. Do you, know, you, do you know why you will never find it in a person? Because at the core, they are just like you. You'll never get it, and you get it there, and you need it. You, you can live forgiven. You trying to tell me you don't need to live forgiven? The blessing of Friday is forgiveness. And he says, blessed are those who believe, believe. 
Bring it into your life. Live forgiven. Why would he not? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay. But what you have will kill you. Friday. You need Friday. And you need Sunday too. Sunday, I love this. That same weekend, Friday was for your forgiveness. Sunday was for your hope. Because Sunday... The blessing of Sunday is hope. The blessing of Sunday is hope that this life is not all there is. What happens on Sunday? Friday he goes down, and that was for forgiveness. You can live forgiven. But then Sunday he comes back saying, this life is not all there is. And that was after the life he lived was so terribly difficult, and he goes down, he was actually killed. But he comes back after all that saying, this that you're going through is not all there is. And some of you absolutely need to know that because your life is terrible. And it's not going to get any better. And you're grinding and you're grinding and you're grinding. And then you have hope that this is not all there is. Blessed are those who believe. Bring that in. Because if you believe, then just like he comes back, so shall we. The Bible calls it your inheritance. You get to live forgiven. And then you get to live with an inheritance. Here's our inheritance. This is John. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives... And believes in me shall never die. You get to know that, listen, you're going to grind it out just like he did, but this is not all there is. Some of you, I promise, are hopeless because this long list of stuff, and it is not going to change. But out here somewhere is hope. The blessing of Sunday is hope. I was talking to a guy in the donut room. Nine o'clock service. There's nothing they can do. He has a mask on now, and he told me. He's like, well, I went to funeral home and made all the arrangements and talking about hospice. But then he said, I couldn't see his face from behind the mask. He said, but it's okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm ready. How can you fail? You can't live in that with no hope. And he's just like, it's okay. I'm like, man, you should come. Would you just preach the last two minutes of my sermon? <laughs> like, just come on up here and just tell him. He wouldn't trade that for anything. And we, listen, we're all headed there. To die forgiven then is, the, is, the, is to have the inheritance of life after. And every, you know that, do you know that everybody claims that? Everybody claims that, of course, I'm, it's going to be good. I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back, and it's going to be great, and God's going to be there, and it's going to be wonderful. And we pretend, we pretend all day long, and it's not true, that inheritance is for those who believe. Blessed are those who believe. The blessings of Friday and Sunday. Why not? Like, how are you going to, don't live, don't write out your story without the blessings of Friday and Sunday. Don't do that. In some ways, not even living. Really? So, so where are you on that? You got to say today. You have to say today where you are on it. Like, I don't want to. I don't care. You have to say today. Easter Sunday, Jesus pushed one thing. What do you push all day Easter Sunday? Do you believe? And you got to say, and there's lots of ways for you to say today. You got to pick one. 
One is to scratch it on here and come up and put it just with all these other. Everybody else, all the other crazies are saying he's alive. And you know yourself, you just put it on there. Just put one word. You can just put Friday and Sunday if you want. Come up and put it on and say so. Declare it. Tell them. Celebrate it today. You know it. You got to do that. And there's going to be a bunch of people moving, so don't worry about it. Other people are coming too. You won't be the only one. Embarrassed of Jesus. I know you are. Say so. If it means something to you, say so. I mean, he would push the issue, so we'll push the issue. Say so. Um, some of you aren't sure, and that's okay. You, I know some of you in here want the blessings of Friday and Sunday, but you still think that's kind of nonsense about my Lord and my God and all that. But if you want that and you just need to sort it out, I mean, you can scratch that on here. You can put it in the box or there's a prayer room. If you go out those doors when we're done, as soon as we start singing and you want to get this, you go out those doors and you just keep going that way and look for the sign. And there'll, there'll be folks in there. They'll help you. They'll help you sort it out. Because you, you want the blessing, but you don't know how to go all through it. And don't cheat and just go out and like, I'm going to the prayer room and then just head for the door. Because see, sin nature. We already talked about that. And then the last one I kind of like. Um... If you can't or won't, and you've got some conditions, I mean, I think the Thomas thing is in play, and you should just write it out. You should write it out like, I will when you do this, and be specific, and then you just take it with you and sort it out, press it with him. And I, I can sit here with confidence and tell you, if you push the issue with him about belief, say, help me, help me believe, show me, These are, this is what I need you to do, and you press that constantly with him. I can tell you from here, based upon what we've read, that we have a God who's willing to meet you wherever you are in your unbelief. He's willing to do it. He's not put off by your unbelief. He's willing to do it. And when he does, when he does, do not disbelieve. When he does, do not disbelieve, my Lord and my God probably does some of his best work out there, although he does some really good work in here too. All right? So you guys say today. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing, and you guys are going to say where you are on belief. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the story. And it's, it, it's your deal with everybody else. Like, you're working it out. And so work it out. In the hardest of hearts, just work it out. Like they know that the blessings of Friday and Sunday were for them and help them to bring that in. If it's already done, then help us to celebrate well and be gracious to us. Meet us in our unbelief wherever that happens to be all over the room. So we thank you for it in advance. And we ask it in the good and great name of Jesus who is alive. And everybody said,